In the late 1960s and early 70s, before Sound One had established itself as one of the most successful and highly respected sound facilities on the East Coast, it was a solo operation. Co-founder Elisha Birnbaum, a sound editor and Foley artist who had recently emigrated to New York from Israel, worked alone or with a small group of editors, taking on jobs for low-paying independent filmmakers working their way up. But within a few short years, Elisha's family-style, all-inclusive approach, rigorous work ethic, and reputation for astonishing creativity on the Foley stage, high-quality product, and quick turnaround time had attracted both the established and the uninitiated to work with him. As Sound One found its footing and grew as a business, it helped launch the careers of post-production professionals and filmmakers like the Coen brothers, Michael Moore, and Ken Burns, to name but a few. At its apex of productivity, Sound One would take in 85% of all post-production work in New York City. Here, staff and clients share stories about their personal bonds and the animal spirit that helped define the dynamics at work at Sound One, and how they created what has come to be known as the Sound One family. We were all making movies together. Right. And that's how it felt to the staff at Sound One. I mean, clients were not separate. You no. were treated as family. Even if you weren't there every day, all the time, you were always treated as family. Sound One really endorsed the grassroots filmmaking, the small time. Kids coming out of school, Alicia would give them rooms, give them equipment, let them mix stuff. He really was building a base, and I think it's the reason why we're all here today is because of that attitude. This frame-by-frame -frame podcast is one of a multi-part series on the era of New York Sound One, 1968-2012. Frame-by-frame is presented by Motion Picture Editors Guild and Post New York Alliance because it's how you finish that counts. Our website is postnewyork.org and we can be found on Twitter at at postny. The host for the Sound One series is Harbor Picture Company. The voices in this episode include Sound One founder and Foley artist Alicia Birnbaum, ADR engineer David Bolton, picture editors Michael Berenbaum, Andy Monsheen, and Bill Pankow, supervising sound editor Dave Patterson and Stuart Stanley, post-production supervisor Paul Levin, documentary filmmaker David Novak, music editor Sherry Johansson, chief engineer Avi Laniato, projectionist Ulysses Rivers, studio manager Jay Rubin, and re-recording mixer Mel Zelnicker. Here, founder Alicia Birnbaum, clients, and staff describe how Sound One's intimate environment attracted a creative hive of professionals that built a base for the New York film community and a safe haven for independent filmmakers from around the world. In my studio, you know, everybody was one family. That is what I told everybody. We are a family here. We are not, you're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for the client. You do it for yourself. And if you're doing a good job, you'll be proud of that. I don't remember, yes, that we have any problem that the client will come and say, that's a terrible job that you did for me, yes? They always praised the kind of a job that they got in my studio. It's like we all together in, in the same job. Nobody was envious. We all got the same thing. Nobody complained. And that harmony, I think, really helped a lot. I tried to help people because a lot of people came out of school, yes. They know very little, they don't know a lot. But I know from my experience that if you don't give them a chance, really, they're never going to be to learn, you know. It was such a friendly social atmosphere back then and it came from the top, it came down. And I, I remember just working in hallways because there was no rooms 
available out in the hallway with rewinds and people would come by, whether they were the other clients or staff. And, you know, everybody would just stop and talk. Everybody had time to talk to everybody else. People's doors were always open. And you were able to just like, you know, that's why we all are so friendly here. Like it's like old home week here because (laughs) everybody interacted and all the permutations, you would go from one job to the other. You would meet people on the floor and then they would hire you on the next job. Mm-hmm. And you'd go, you know, you just one job be, led into the next and just went on and on. It was just yeah. such a great place to be. I never really was employed at said one. Yeah. I was always just a client. But when I would call Bill or Jim or Jay, I was never treated as a client. And that's, that's right. why I was treated as part of the family and whatever I needed. Yeah, we'll help you do it. That's what yeah, we're going to do. We're going to get this. And, and it was, you were always treated as, you were treated as family. Even if you, even if you weren't there every day, all the time, you were always treated as family, you know, and whatever you needed, we'd figure it out. That was the attitude. As you said, most, a lot of us were not employees of Sound One, but as a client, my earliest memories were sitting in a, a transfer room uh, with Frank Cadden or Alan Beyer or Alicia listening to sound effects that we were going to choose or the editors had directed us to choose uh, to bring to the editing room to work on. And by doing that, I would say, well, gee, Alicia, we don't seem to have this or that. And in his accent, with his voice, which I won't attempt to imitate, said, don't worry, if we don't have it, we'll make it. And there was a history of us doing that. I, I worked with uh, a film called The Next Man with Maurice Schell, and we went out and got a car door from some jalopy that was uh, abandoned somewhere and brought it in, and we used that to make sound effects. And on The Whiz, we went and got these uh, trash cans from the subway and brought it into the third floor, which was just getting rebuilt to make sound effects. And it was just an intimacy of working with people like Frank and Alan and Alicia and even and getting to know people like Lee in the mixing studio. And you spent hours and hours in a dark room with these people, and you got to know each other in some personal way. I mean, even though it was a client uh, relationship, you got to know each other, and we're still here today talking to each other in the same way. You know, coming in as an outsider, I came in to do a movie in 1992, and I came on my own because I wanted to work as a local in New York. I had been working in L.A. for a little bit. And I came in in the doors of Sound One, and Jay was there, and Jim Gardner was the uh, messenger on the counter and I met Bill and Stephanie Sacrapani and I then left and came back in January to finish this movie to be there for six months. I knew nobody. These people took me in as if I was one of their own. We'd have these little get-togethers on Friday night in Michael Kirschberger's room. Lee was there. Paul Socek was there. A whole bunch of you guys went in and out there and it was it was a great time and then I finished the movie and I went back to LA where I lived and I'm Walking around during the summer, I'm looking for work, and I'm at home, and the phone rings, and it's Bill Nisselson with his voice. Hey, Paul, when are you going to come back to New York? We want you back in New York. And I, because of him and because of you guys, I started doing more movies there. And then finally, my wife, who was from New York, just said, this is ridiculous. You spend more time in New York. You work there. So you should move there. And that's how I got into this group, and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Everybody trained everybody, mm-hmm. right? And, and that came right down from Bill and Alicia, but it continued. And when you came in through the Sound One doors, particularly as a messenger, ultimately you ended up in transfers. And the entire vibe of sound transfers was Rocky Tortorella. That's right. Yeah. 
And Rocky just set this tone, not only the training tone, because he was an amazing teacher yeah. that we all then passed on to everybody else who came in. I mean, I remember teaching Rob video transfers. I remember teaching Bobby sound transfers. You know, we all passed that on. But he also taught us the importance of the client, but not as a client. I mean, we were all making movies together. Right. And that's how it felt to the staff at Sound One. I mean, clients were not separate. And, you know, my wife was a client, right? I mean, it's like clients were just not separate at all. It was part of the process. And when you're in transfers, there wasn't a room in the building that did not go through transfers. Didn't transfers, right. Right? They needed sound transfers. They had picture transfers. All the departments came through. We knew everybody in the building. And, 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 and we were all in it together. And well, the timing also, because Sound One was growing once Lee and Tommy came along made it easier for everybody to move up if yeah. you were ambitious. Because yeah. Bill loved somebody that would stay. Right. Right. And, and if you were one of those kind of people, then he made the path very easy for yeah. you. Right. The, the quick story before that was that Alicia, there, I worked for, for Sound One for like six months because Alicia said, uh, hopscotch needs somebody to sync the dailies. And I didn't know how to sync dailies. And what he showed me. This was 79. This was 79. So I suck up the day. I, I learned how to do it. And um, Dan Lieberstein at the same time came on and was helping out. And uh, Alicia needed him. And we were going to be the sound team at, you know, Sound One. Except we weren't in the union. And so we couldn't do a number of the jobs that they wanted us to do. So Dan and I went to the union and talked to them. And they said, well, if you unionize the shop, you know, you can become a part of the union. So we went to Alicia and said, so we want to unionize the shop. And, and he was like, will it cost me more money? <laughs> and, and we were like, yeah, probably, you know. And he said, I'll tell you what, you can unionize the shop and then I'll fold the sound team and you guys can go and become in the union. You'll be in the union and then you can work. So we unionized, Dan and I, and then immediately quit. So it didn't cost him any more money. And then he hired, you know, then we got a room and started doing the stuff that he wanted us to do. So, but it was total Alicia trying to find a way to help us because, you know, you had to be in the union to do a number of these jobs. And while I was doing the hopscotch thing, I, you know, you have to kind of explain what Phil is. Phil is the old movies that are no longer old prints used at the time. I have none left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to, you would cut this into the, uh, the mag tracks in order to keep those in sync. Um, Occasionally, you came across really interesting old movie reel. <laughs> yes. And when I was working on a hopscotch, I came across a reel of Godfather 2. And I pulled it off to the side, and I literally learned about editing. I took that, and I recut it on a moviola over and over and over. <laughs> and Barry, I have a version that I just want to tell you. <laughs> it's almost as good as no. but uh, And that's how I learned to use the moviola for picture editing as well. I was at Sound One probably two or three weeks. And Andy goes, do you want to learn how to sync dailies? And I said, sure. I didn't know what the fuck it was. I said, yeah, sure. He shows me the, the stick and you hear and you, you do the start mark. And... Now you all know me, right? <laughs> Mr. Okay, okay. So, after I did a couple of reels, 
Andy went and finished it and checked it, and I just, I came back like two, three, four, five hours later, and I said, so how'd it go, how'd I do? And he goes, well, to tell you the truth, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> From then on, I knew I was never gonna be an editor. <laughs> and then I, yeah, no, it was great. But. A kid like me, I'm just a normal, average kid from Queens, and... No, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right, I hated school, I didn't want to go, I wasn't, you know, and I found a home, and Pete did, and you did, and, and Abby did, and all of us did. I mean, we were, I, I wouldn't say we were all dysfunctional misfits, but we all, it like, helped. it helped. But we literally, it just, Alicia taught everybody, and the one thing, you know, in, in my conversation with Bill, they were running out of things. So I said, all right, you know what, I'll start ordering stuff and keeping minerals. I did the stock room and all that. That's how I started, so we didn't run out of things. So I, I became the purchasing agent. But the thing was, everybody, everybody who came in started out as a messenger or worked for free or did something, and there was, no matter what department you went to, if you had the willingness to learn, somebody would show you. Mm -hmm. Whether it was in a transfer room with Rocky or Denny, or sitting in a console, you know, with Mel or, or, or you guys, I mean, you know, it just, this, everybody helped each other. What may sound one different is bringing in guys like Jay, bringing in guys who, who needed work but didn't necessarily know the business, and we made them into film professionals because that's what we did. Giving somebody a break, Bobby giving him a break in the studio, any number of people who built beautiful careers out of the opportunities that were presented to them. And basically that's one of the things that was wrong at Reeves and at the sound shop and at Trans Audio, where the, you had this, this very, very steep pyramid with a tiny little point at the top and all these people shuffling around the bottom, waiting 10 years for a chance to sit down with a fader in their hand, made a big difference. And that, that was Alicia mostly. Alicia really, really pushed that. And you know, look in the room now, you got Peter Wagner who started out as a messenger, Jay, Bobby Johansson. So many got their break there because of Alicia. And another great thing about Sound One, we had all these I mean, we had Sidney, Sidney Lumet, we had Arthur Penn, we had, you know, you name them, and they were working in the building, and a guy shows up, and he's a messenger who all of a sudden gets the job of shuttling some stuff into the machine room, shuttling some stuff out of the machine room, and sooner or later, a guy who really never knew what was going to happen to him is rubbing shoulders with some of the giants in the film business. I think of all, all the people that we all met there who... Uh, who came to Sound One with, with gigantic reputations already in place. And for the most part, they were as gracious and welcoming. And that was the atmosphere of the place. The place was just home to everybody. And, and when you were new, it was, you know, welcome to the family. And, you know, I keep on thinking about guys like Peter Wagner and Wiley Steele, who started out as messengers and found their way behind the consoles, did some very important pictures, uh, Peter still continues to do some very important pictures. It was the nature of the place, and that the nature of the place was built on Alicia's personality. Alicia is what we, we used to call in the Bronx a mensch. Uh, always has been, always will be. I love the man like I love my father. Terrific guy. Speaking of family, 
Most of you guys are around your families. A few of us came from a different country where, you know, today nowadays an issue of people who come from a different country. But me, for, for example, I came from Israel and I knew no one. And I came in through the door and I didn't know anyone and I got a little corner in the shop. And four weeks later, I started to get to know everyone. And uh, before you know it, I had a whole entire family around me. You guys supported me and helped me and made me feel like I'm home every day coming there. And that's what made me stay here and have my career. Because without it, I would be probably going back to the country where I came from and have, you know, put that in the past, but here I am 30 years later, and I'm part of, you're part of my life. So this is Sound One, that's the story of Sound One in me. Without Bill and Sound One, I wouldn't even have my family because I'm married to Bobby Johansson. <laughs> and um, Bill, I came to be a messenger. I heard about Sound One, I came from Philadelphia, and I heard about Sound One, and I heard that they did sound for film, and I was like, I'm going there. And I found his name, and I went, and he was like, eh, you look a little small. I don't think you can lift boxes. I was like, no, I can. I really can. And he's like, eh, if you just keep bugging me, then maybe I'll hire you. I was like, okay. So I went back to Philadelphia. I called him three days in a row. He's like, okay already. I'll hire you. So I came. And Stephanie and Bill, they gave me a box of 10 reels of film, 35 millimeter film, on an old fashioned hand truck, like when they were first invented, to take on the subway. They gave me a subway token and said, take this down to Greenwich Village. And I was like, where the hell is the village? <laughs> and how do you get there? And somebody's like, you take the F train. I'm like, okay. So I went with my 100 pound box on a hand truck and I go outside and the hand truck breaks in half. And I was like, oh my God, if I come back up, these people will like tell me to go back to Philadelphia. So I like saved half of the hand truck and I I got some guy on the street to help me take the boxes down to the subway. And then I found another person to take, help me take it off the subway. And then one more person to take it four blocks to a walk-up, a like five-story walk-up. The guy comes down, he's like, hello. I'm like, your, your film is down here. He's like, okay. He comes, he takes it. I go back to Sound One. I go to Stephanie. I'm like, okay, here's what's left of your hand truck. Your boxes are delivered. And then like two weeks or a week later, he puts me in with Tommy in The Last Temptation of Christ. I'm like two weeks out of film school <laughs> working on Last Temptation of Christ with Tommy and Martin Scorsese and Thelma and Peter Gabriel was the composer. Well, you guys, you know, you guys came from the background. I started Sound One at, at Edge Numbering and it was a non-technical job. So it was these big, huge printing machines. Then everybody started getting the act, their own act-made machines and, and yeah. things like that. So it got to the point where Ulysses wasn't needed anymore. You know, it wasn't non-technical. And then after talking to Bill and, and Jay, it took some pushing in, and they, they all took me in. Sometimes was uh, the machines room was kind of rough for me because, like, you know, Tommy and these guys like, okay, let's go, hurry up right now, you know. You got to string these wheels up. I'm like, okay, okay. But um, 
you know, to come to work also, and you, you know, you get on the elevator, you, you, you with Martin Scorsese. I got a kick out of that too, you know. Like you got to meet everybody, and I got to work with Michael Jackson too for a couple of days. I mean, yeah. everybody can't say that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really a fun job, and and I love yeah, all of these people here. Everybody here, I love and, and when when you were running the projection, you doing projection for ADR in Studio E. Yeah. You were one of the be, you were one of the best guys to work with. I always enjoyed working with you. And you had the best picture collection of anybody. You you managed to get a photograph of yourself with every single person who came in to record. Speaking about family, um, my second born was uh, born when we were doing Easy Money. And I remember, oh, it was Barbara Tano and them stepping over Jacob when he was, diapers were being changed in the cutting room and this and that. As he grew up, Jay took him in to Sound One and hired him and then worked with Jay. Jacob is now at Warner Brothers. And I always thank him for that, for taking care of my family from the family. The Era of New York Sound One podcast series is co-produced by Sherry Johansson and Isabel Sederni. The recording engineers were Peter Wagner, Bobby Johansson, and Mike Rivera. Music by the Sound One All-Stars. In New York, I'm your host, Isabel Sederni, and this is Frame by Frame.